I've titled this tape, The Cure for Cancer. But the thing about it is, before you can be cured from cancer, there's many things that you must know. And number one, you must know that cancer does not come from God. You must know that God did not put that cancer on you. You must know that it comes from the enemy. And I'm going to start out here in the book of Job, and I'm going to prove to you beyond a shadow of a doubt who the enemy is. I want you to turn in your scriptures. I'm going to start in Job chapter 1, and I'm going to start reading at verse 6 in the scriptures, and I want you to see what happened in heaven one day. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? He is a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil. Now notice what he did. He is blameless, he's upright, he fears God, and he shuns evil. Now this is what has let the Lord, I kept the Lord uh, in his protection, kept him in the protection of the Lord. But listen to what Satan said in verse 9. So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now, stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. Now look at this. This lets you know that God is still in total control. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. He now has authority to attack Job. Now then, with that authority, he goes down to the earth, and look what he does. Starting in verse 13. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them, when the Sabaeans raided them and took them away. Indeed, they have killed the servants with the edge of the sword. And I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another came also and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now that fire of God that fell from heaven was not from the king of the universe. That was from the God of this world, which is Satan. So I want you to begin to understand what that beast can do. The fire of God or lightning fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and the servants. That was from the devil. That was not from the king or our God, our Lord Jehovah that we serve. And while he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels, and took away them. And yes, 
They have killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house, and suddenly a great wind, a hurricane or a tornado, came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people, and they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Now then, I want you to see in this scriptures that I've read, everywhere I've read, whether it was people robbing, stealing, cheating, lightning coming out of the clouds, a tornado coming out and blowing a house down, it's very obvious where all this came from. All this came from the God of this world, which is Satan. This great wind, which killed all ten of Job's children, came from the devil. That fire, that lightning, came from the devil. And then Job arose. This is starting now in verse 20. Then Job arose, he tore his robe and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped. Now, I want you to notice what he did. This is the most important thing that you and I can do as sons and daughters of the king of the universe is in all things continue to worship. Don't get mad at God. All good and perfect gifts comes from the Lord in James chapter 1, verse 17. These bad things don't come from God. They come from the devil. But as Job worshipped, that's what you and I need to always do, to call God on the scene, to cause him to do miracles for you and me, is we need to continuously be in a state of worship and praise of the Lord because he is worthy of our worship and praise. And in verse 21, Job makes a statement that I've heard so many people state. And he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, the first part of that statement is true. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return but that's a true statement. But the next part is a correctly stated statement, but it's not a correct statement. It says, the Lord gave, which the Lord did give us. And it says, and the Lord has taken away. Now, that is not true. In this case here, the devil has taken it away. Everything that happened to Job from his uh, animals being stolen his crops being burned, his children being killed in a house with a tornado or a strong wind, all those things came from the God of this world, which is the devil. But still, out of all that, look what Job said in verse 21, Blessed be the name of the Lord. And the scripture says in verse 22, And all this Job did not sin, nor charge God with wrong. Now listen to that. <clears throat> now just think about what we have seen the devil do. And then let's go on and see where sickness and disease comes from. Let's just keep on reading here in chapter 2. And again there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord 
God said to Satan, From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. Now think about that. wonder how many times the devil does that to you and me. He is always standing before the Lord, accusing you and me, the Bible says. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin, yes, all that a man has he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. In other words, the Lord's saying you can do anything you want to do to him, but you cannot take his life. So in verse 7, So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord, and he struck Job with painful boils from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. And he took for himself a potsherd, which with to scrape himself while he sat in the midst of the ashes. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, You speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God, and shall we not accept adversity? And all this Job did not sin with his lips. Now, I want you to think about the scriptures we just read. In the Old Testament, every evil thing that happened happened because the devil got involved. Now that confirms to us what is taught in John 10.10. 10. Jesus clearly told us in John 10.10, 10, the thief, which is Satan, comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. And all those things, killing, stealing, and destroying, was from the devil over there in the Old Testament. Now then, in the New Testament, it's not going to change because Jesus said in John 10, 10, after he said the thief comes to kill, steal, and to destroy, but I, Jesus, have come to give you life, and not only life, but I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly. And then in James 1, 17, I want to read this scripture to you. Now, this is in the Living Bible that I'm going to read this in James chapter 1, verse 17. But listen what James said. But whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God, the creator of all light, and he shines forever without change or shadow. Now, right there is pretty obvious that if you're living in abundant life, what you're receiving is coming from the Lord. If you're not living an abundant life and you're living under sickness, disease, poverty, if the devil's beating up on you every way, you're doing something wrong. You need to change what you're doing. You're allowing the enemy to beat up on you. If you're down with cancer right now, that didn't come from God. That come from the devil. Because I'm going to move now into the New Testament, and I'm going to show you 
who this devil is. And I'm going to show you what he does. And I'm going to show you what we can do to him. Now, I'm going to go over here in the book of Matthew, and I'm going to start over here in Matthew, and I'm going to read you some scripture in the New Testament to talk about who this devil or this enemy of ours is. And before I read this in Matthew 8, where I'm going to, I'm going to first turn to the Old Testament in uh, Isaiah chapter 53, and I'm going to read verse 3, 4, and 5. I'm going to show you what the prophet Isaiah said about uh, what is fulfilled in Matthew 8 as I move to that. So, first of all, in Isaiah 53, starting with verse 3, and I'm, living, I'm going to be reading out the Amplified Bible because it's so clear in the Amplified Bible. The prophet said, He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains, and acquainted with grief and sickness, and like one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Verse 4, Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we, ignorantly, considered him stricken, smitten and afflicted by God, as if with leprosy. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and our iniquities. The chastisement, or the needful to obtain peace and well-being for us, was upon him, and with his stripes, that wounded him, we are healed and made whole. That is an awesome verse. If you really take that literally, and that's what we have to do. Now then I'm going to move to Matthew 8 and show you who the enemy is and what Jesus began to do to the enemy for us. Now starting in Matthew 8:14. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. Isn't that amazing? When Jesus touches you, sickness, disease leaves you. But look at verse 16 and 17. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils or demons. And he cast out the evil spirits with his word and healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled. Now listen to this. This is a fulfillment of what we just read in Isaiah 53. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bare away or removed our sicknesses. Isn't that awesome? That if Jesus, he came, and this right here you see in the New Testament, you see who the enemy was. First, in Matthew eight sixteen, they brought these people to him that were possessed with demons. And with a word or a spoken word of authority, he cast out the evil spirits. And then after that, after he kicked out the devils, the demons, he healed all that was sick. 
And now then, you might say Jesus is using his credit card here because he hasn't paid that price yet. But he's the only man that's ever come to this earth that didn't have sin since Adam. And so he was not Satan's slave. He had authority over the devil. And praise God, we see what he did there. And let's go on down to verse 28 in Matthew 8. And when he was come to the other side into the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two possessed with demons or devils. I want you to know one thing here. There's only one devil. When you read the King James, many times it will take the word that's translated demons and they will they have translated it devils. But there's only one devil, and that's Satan. But he has many demons. They met him two men possessed with demons coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no man might pass by that way. And behold, they cried out, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, thy Son of God? Art thou come hither to torment us before the time? And there, were, and there was a good way off from them a herd of many swine feeding. So the devils besought him, saying, If you cast us out, suffer us to go away into the herd of swine. Now look at that. These demons that are in these two men, they, they don't want to just be cast out into open space because a demon, if, he's, if they are not in some kind of an earth being, they can do no damage to the earth. Only can they do damage if they're in a physical being because a spiritual being cannot touch the earth. It was made for man. And Jesus said unto them, Go. And when they were come out, they went into the herd of swine and behold, the whole herd of swine ran violently down a steep place into the sea and perished into the waters. Now, I want you to look at that. Think about that. When these demons come to kill, steal, and destroy, look what happened when they got in from the men, which were doing devastating things, which were exceedingly fierce up there in verse 28, that they were so wicked that no man could pass by that way. Whenever Jesus cast these demons out of these two men, these demons went into this herd of swine. And in another book of the New Testament, it says there was about 2,000 of these hogs. So 2,000 hogs ran violently down the hill into the sea and were all drowned. So these demons killed all of these swine, all these hogs. Isn't that amazing what the demons of hell do? And then over in Matthew 10, I want to show you the power that Jesus gave his disciples. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 1, And when he had called unto him his twelve disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. As you go preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Now I want you to think about the power of the Lord Jesus when he was here on his earth, gave his disciples. What did he tell them to do? He gave them power against these unclean demons. He told them to go out and cast out these evil spirits and then to heal. You notice the order. First you're to cast out the spirit. Then you're to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. 
Heal the sick, he said in verse 8. Who did he tell to do that? He told these men to do it. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ever received, freely give. Isn't that amazing what the Lord told us to do there? Now, in Matthew 13, I'm going to explain to you why so many people, when they read the Word of God or when they go to church or to a Sunday school class, when they go away, they don't remember anything they heard. Because I'm going to show you who the enemy is. Now, this scripture of the sower and the seed is in Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 4 and Luke chapter 8. But I'm just going to read it out of Matthew 13. I'm going to start with verse 18. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understandeth it not, then cometh the wicked one, which is Satan, or his demons, and catch away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which receiveth the seed by the wayside. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. The enemy that soweth him is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. Now, I want you to notice. He said, When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, and understandeth it not. Now, how many times do people hear the word and do not fully understand the word? Somebody does not explain it to you in great detail. If that happens, he says in Matthew thirteen eighteen, Then cometh the wicked one, or Satan, or his demons, and catcheth away, or stealeth away, that word which was sown in his heart. Now, I don't know how the devil does that, but Jesus said that that spirit being, when a word, which is a seed, is sown into your heart, if you don't truly understand that word, and you don't lock it into your heart, that evil one, which is Satan, will come right into your heart, reach right in through your physical body and into your mind and steal those words out of your heart. Have you ever been to church and you heard the pastor speak or a Sunday school class and you heard the teacher teach what you thought was a great message and you thought, boy, I'm going to remember this. This is a great message. And you leave church that afternoon, go to lunch, and in the middle of the afternoon you happen to run into a friend and the guy says, where you been today? You say, well, I've been to church. And you say, what did the pastor preach on today? Oh, man, he had a great message today. I loved it. And you stop and you think and you say, you know, I can't even remember the title. Guess who comes stole that away from you? Let me tell you who did that to you. That was the devil. The devil came in and he stole that right out of your being. I'm telling you, he will steal words out of your heart. What I'm trying to do here is build a picture for you to see who the enemy is and his power and what he does. I am completely convinced we do not understand who the devil is. And I think that's what our problem is. Now then, let me move down to Matthew 17, and I want to start reading here in verse 14. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic, and he's sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and often into the water. Now then, today, we would call that a person having a seizure. And I brought him, verse 16 says, And I brought my son to your disciples, and they could not cure him. Now, in verse 17, Jesus answered and said, O you faithless and perverse generation, 
How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. Now, today, I wonder what our Savior would say to us. You've got to remember these disciples, as we read over there in Matthew 10, 1 while ago, he had divinely commissioned them to go forth and cast out demons and to heal the sick. And already they can't do it in Matthew 17. Now, they had been doing it. They, it's, it's, it's recorded in the Scriptures where they had cast out demons and healed the sick. But here is a wicked demon, a more wicked one than they had been used to. And whenever this thing does what he does, these men were intimidated, and they, did, they were afraid. And when fear crept upon them, they did not have the faith to do this. And so Jesus rebuked them heavenly. He said to them in Matthew 17, 17, O oh, you faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil or the demons, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? This is a question we need to ask the Lord, because the Scripture is right here to tell us why. In verse 20 of Matthew 17, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, listen to that, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. Think about what the Master just said there. Just think, if we just have faith as a grain of mustard seed, we shall say. Now, he didn't say we have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. He said, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, what is a grain of mustard seed? It's a little bitty tiny seed. But when you begin to feed and water and fertilize that seed, that seed, it begins to grow and it becomes a plant, a full-grown stalk with great big branches on it. And when you begin to feed yourself the Word of God, like that seed, if you will begin to learn the Word of God, your faith will grow. And it, you will be able to do the same things Jesus said that mustard seed would do. He says, you shall say unto this mountain. Now, that's where we fall short. We don't say to these demons, be removed and cast out of this person. But Jesus said, if you will say to this mountain, what is your mountain? It's cancer. It's sickness, it's disease, it's a headache, it's a runny nose, it's a pain in your arm, in your head, in your side, it's a pain anywhere, because we clearly saw over there in Isaiah 53 and Matthew 8 a few minutes ago where Jesus paid the price for not only our iniquities and sins, but our pains, our grief, our sickness, our disease. So if Jesus did that for us on the cross, then we're letting the devil clean up on us. But this is what you're going to have to do to make cancer go away. He says you're going to have to say, Remove from me to yonder place, and it shall remove. And look what he said in verse 20, the last part. And Jesus is speaking when he said, And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now we've got a decision to make here. Are we going to believe the word of the written word of the living God? 
Are we going to believe what somebody else tells us? Now, if what somebody tells you lines up with what's written in this word, then you can believe what they say. But if what you have been taught does not line up with the word of God, then you need to throw out the window what you've learned, and you need to believe God's word. Because if you believe Jesus, in Matthew 17, 20, he says, if you shall say to your mountain, remove to yonder place, it shall remove. And he said, nothing shall be impossible unto you. Now, he didn't say you have to say it once. He said, keep on saying it. So you keep on speaking to your mountain. Now then, just like pain or sickness and disease, sometimes you can speak to a pain and it'll be gone immediately. And sometimes you'll speak to a sickness or disease for days. And usually with cancer, it takes days. And sometimes it takes weeks and months. The longest fight I ever had with a stage 4 lymphoma terminal cancer was a man over in Louisville 15 years ago. And it took six months to get that man healed. But I've seen many of them healed since then. Some of them I've seen healed instantly when you command that demon of hell to leave. I mean instantly. But some, it'll take a week or a month. But if you do not give up and you forcefully say, I bind you, demon of hell, I command you to come out of me and go to pit and stay there in the name of Jesus and then begin to worship the king and praise him and thank him that he's a healer, that he's a deliverer, that what he done for you in Isaiah 53, 4, and 5, and what he promised you in Matthew 8, 16, and 17, thank him and worship him and praise him for healing you on the cross. If you will do that violently, do that violently, worship and praise the king and bind the demons of hell and command them to come out of you and go to the pit and stay there. Speak to your mountain and don't speak to it gently. Speak to it violently. Command it just like Jesus does in the name of Jesus. When you begin to do this, you will see great and mighty things begin to happen to you. Now then, let's read of another of these things about see who the devil is and what Jesus can do to him. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. Let's start in verse 21 of Mark 1. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue. Now look here, this man's in church. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Now this man up until now, he looked normal. You couldn't tell him from any other man. But look what happened. All of a sudden, this demon manifests in this man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. Listen to what he said. I can just hear this beast saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who thee are. Thou art the Holy One of God. Now, you ever wonder why a demon would witness as to who Jesus was? It took me a long time to understand this. These demons knew who he was. They thought that Jesus didn't have no power and authority over them because they knew their master, their Satan, their master, had deceived man and the earth become theirs 4,000 years ago. So they didn't think Jesus had power and authority over them. But let me show you what Jesus told this demon. 
In verse 25, it says, And Jesus rebuked him, rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. Now, this unclean spirit didn't understand, but look what he had to do in verse 26. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Can you imagine what that scene looked like? As that Jesus rebuked that evil spirit and that man began to scream out and tear that man and throw him down on the ground and flop him down around on the ground. And with a loud voice, it says, and that demon came out of him. And verse 27 says, and they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commandeth even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. I want you to see there that nobody up until the New Testament, till Jesus come on the scene, nobody had ever cast out a demon. Nobody had power and authority over these evil spirits because every man on the earth, every person on the earth was a slave to Satan because we were all born in sin and we all partake of that same sin nature that Adam had. And so we became the slaves of Satan. But praise God. When Jesus came to this earth, Jesus, he was man, all right, but he come from God. He was not of Adam, so he was perfect and he was sinless, and the devil had no authority over him, so he was the only man that had absolutely, at this point, had authority over the devil. Now then, let me read on down, let's go on down in Mark there to verse 32. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. Now, we, this interpretation of this is not very good in the King James. When we read the word possessed and with devils, first of all, there's only one devil. This word here uh, means demons. And those that were possessed, it literally means those that were demonized with demons. That means that they had demons. Possessed means that you're totally engulfed in these things. That's not the way it is. That means that they had demons. These people normally, they looked like normal people. But the only problem was they had sickness and diseases. And just like we do today. So when we have sickness and diseases and cancers and all those, we got devils. Or not devils, we got demons. And all the city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many that were sick of various diseases, and he cast out many demons, and he suffered not the demons to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And when they had found him, they said to him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next town, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogue throughout all Galilee, and cast out demons. And there came a leper to him, beseeching him, and kneeling down to him, and saying to him, If thou wilt, thou can make me clean. Now here is a case. This is something that's a great lesson right here to be learned. I hear so many people pray. Lord, heal me, if it be thy will. Let me tell you, if you don't know any more about the Word of God than that, you will never get healed. If you do, it'll just be out of compassion from the Savior's heart is the only way you're going to get healed. 
you've got to know this Bible to get healed. But if you do, I want you to look for this man had the wrong theology. He said, if thou wilt, I can make me clean. Now, that's the problem with so many people today. But I want to show you what Jesus said to this man. Jesus changed this man's theology so he could have faith to be healed. In verse 41, Jesus moved with compassion. Think about that. Our Savior's moved with compassion. He put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will be thy clean. So the very minute that Jesus said, I will, by being moved with compassion, the man could now have faith to be made clean. And look at what happened in verse 42. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. The minute the man, he knew, he had been hearing and seeing the things Jesus had done. So he said, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. When Jesus told him, I will, the man immediately had faith now to be healed. And when he said, I will, be, when Jesus said, be thy clean, the man received it, and he was immediately healed. So that's the same way you're going to have to receive it today. Jesus is moved with compassion on every one of us. He is the healer. That's what he came to do. Just like he said there in Isaiah 53 and in Matthew 8, while ago, he healed us all on the cross 2,000 years ago. Now I want us to go to Mark 9, and I want us to see another demonstration of what a demon of hell does to people. I want you to see what these demons do. I'm showing you who the enemy is and what they do to us. In Mark 9, starting with verse 15, it says, Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast out the demon, but they could not. Now think about this little boy. It seizes him. It throws him down, wallows him around on the ground, foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. Sounds just like a seizure that we call today, doesn't it? Well, let me tell you, folks, that's an evil spirit. You can go back to the Word of God and get these pictures. Now then, it says there, So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And in verse 19 of Mark 9, look what Jesus said to these men. He answered and said to them, O oh, you faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to Jesus. And when he saw him, when the demon saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. And he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. Now think about this scene of what this demon is doing to this poor little boy. So Jesus asked his father, How long has this been happening to him? And look what the father said, From childhood. From childhood. In verse 22, he says, And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. In other words, Jesus said, Jesus answered him and said, 
if you can believe. Now, Jesus is not going to take the responsibility for this. It's not up to him. It's up to us. He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Now, right there you see, if you can believe, in verse 23 of Mark 9, all things are possible to you who believe. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it. Now look at how he did this. You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Now we need to learn to take these same examples. If this is the way Jesus did it, this is the way we're going to have to do it. Jesus said, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. The only difference in that statement than when you and I do it, we'll do it in the name of Jesus. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, He is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast him out? But Jesus said in verse 29, This kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Now that's another reason we don't have faith, because we don't spend time in prayer and fasting before the Lord. Now, another one, another case in Luke eleven fourteen. Here, I'm going to show you who these demons are. And he was casting out a demon, and it was mute. So it was when the demon had gone out that the mute spoke, and the multitude marveled. Now, what is it that's causing our problem? When people can't hear, what's the problem? When they can't speak, what's the problem? When they're sick and afflicted, what's the problem? When they got pain, what's the problem? Every case. So far, we have read down through there, it was a demon, a wicked spirit. Now, let's go on down in Luke chapter 13. Let's start with verse 11. Now, and behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity. A what? A spirit of infirmity. How long had she had this thing? The scripture says 18 years, and she was bent over and in could no wise raise herself up. Now, who knows what... What, what that spirit does to the back of a human being. But the scriptures clearly says in Luke 13, 11, And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no wise raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called to her and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he, then he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. Boy, that sounds like a religious bunch, doesn't it? I mean, here Jesus is healing this poor little woman. She's casting this demon of infirmity out of her. She's been sick for 18 years, and he's setting her free, and they're unhappy about it. Now, the Lord said to these people in verse 15, he said, You hypocrites, does not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath? Now, who had bound that woman? 
Who'd put that spirit of infirmity on her? The devil had. So who do you think puts it on you? The devil does. He sends his demons to attack us. That's where all sickness and disease comes from, from the devil. The way you can tell, killing, stealing, and destroying comes from the devil. Life and abundant life comes from the Lord. In Acts 10, 38, the scripture says how God, our Father, anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, it's pretty obvious from all these scriptures that we've talked about here, it's very obvious who the enemy is, and it's the devil and his host of demons. Now then, I want to show you what you can do after you become a Christian. Now, all these mighty things I'm going to talk to you about this afternoon or on this tape will not happen to you until you become a born-again Christian. And Romans chapter 10, verse 8, 9, and 10, and right on down through 16, 17. So these scriptures will show you how to become a born-again Christian. The Word of God says in Romans 10, 8, but what does it say? The Word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the Word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For what the Scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. Now then, how do we, after we become a born-again Christian, after we accept Jesus, begin to confess him with our mouth and believe with our heart, then from there on, you must study the Word of God so you can get this awesome faith that you need to become this person. And, of course, Romans 10:17, just a few verses down, it says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Now, you can't pray for faith. You can't beg for it. You can't plead for it. You can't do anything except read the Word of God, study it, hear it out loud, read it out loud, because it says faith comes by hearing. How do you hear? When somebody preaches it, or when you read it out loud, you hear it. So as you hear God's word, your faith will be increased dramatically. And then the next thing you need over in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, 5, and 6, the next thing you need is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now this is why so many Christians today don't have any power, because they've not asked for this power. They've not asked for the mighty filling of the mighty Holy Spirit. But if you will do this, it will fill you. Now, I'm going to give you some scriptures to confirm what I'm going to teach. Now, then I'm going to show you in Acts, in several places in the book of Acts, what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, as one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Now then, in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to, who all, and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So who is that baptism of the Holy Spirit for? It's for all of us that will believe. Now I want you to turn over to Acts 8, start verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who when they had come down prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now what did they do? They prayed for these men that had already received Jesus. They might receive the Holy Spirit. Listen to what verse 16 says. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. It's obvious that by the laying on of hands they received the Holy Spirit. Now, that's one way. If you teach it and lay hands on people, they'll receive the Holy Spirit. But let me show you another way in Acts 10, starting with verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter said, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit as we have. Now think about that. All Peter was doing here was just preaching the Word. As he was preaching the Word and teaching them about the things of Jesus and the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit came into these people and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with tongues and magnify God. I mean, that nobody laid hands on them or anything. So don't put God in a box. He can do anything. All you've got to do is preach His Word. And in Acts chapter 19, this is the last place I'm going to go on the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 19, verse 1, And it came, and it happened, while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Now listen to what he asked. If you don't believe that you, uh, now I'm talking myself now, this is not the scripture, but I'm going to ask you this question. If you can't receive the Holy Spirit, if, if you get all the Holy Spirit you're ever going to get when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then why, why did Paul ask this question? Listen to what he said. And he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Then into what baptism were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. So isn't that amazing? Anybody that says you get all of the Holy Spirit you're going to get when you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior either don't understand these scriptures or they've never read them. 
Because these scriptures plainly show you that these men were all already born-again believers. But here, one time, when Paul talked, or when Peter taught the Word of God, they, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And another time, these people had already received, they'd been baptized in the name of Jesus, but they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And when it was taught to them, at that point, by laying hands on them, they received. And then over here in Acts chapter 19, Paul asked that question in verse 2. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now then, if you don't, can't receive nothing after you believe, then why in the world would he have asked a question like that? But I'm here to tell you that you can receive more of the Holy Spirit after you believe. You can ask to be filled with that power, but you ask every day. And that power will come upon you and fill you. So don't limit God. Because in Luke chapter 11, verse 13, it says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? After the Holy Spirit, you will have power. So act like you have it and use it. Again, this takes faith. You must believe God's word. Whenever you ask for the filling of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you've got to believe you receive it. There may be manifestations come upon you, and there may not right then. But you begin to go and believe in the name of Jesus and start going and casting out demons and healing the sick because you have the power in you to do it. Bless God. Now then, I want to go back and hit just a little bit more about the atonement for healing. We hit that on the beginning of this tape. But one more time, in Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, it says, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Okay, then we'll come on to Matthew 8, 16 and 17 again. And it says in Matthew 8, starting with verse 16, it says, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed or demonized, and he cast out the evil spirits with a word, and he healed all who were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself, Jesus, took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Now, isn't that amazing? Then you come to 1 Peter 2, 24, and again it says, Who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, and by whose stripes you were healed. Now you notice here, this is very clear in 1 Peter 2, 24, that if Jesus bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. You see there that we can be rebel kids. And I believe that's where most of the church is today. <clears throat> most of them are rebels. Most of them have not died to sins and that, so that they can live to righteousness. So many people in the church are still living in gross sin. That sin will bring forth death. It'll bring forth sickness and disease. You can't be a born-again Christian and live with a man or a woman out of wedlock and have kids out of wedlock and not die with something at an early age. It's going to happen to you. You can't defile your temple. 
which is the body, your body, which is a temple of the Holy Spirit. Because if you do, the Lord clearly said he would destroy your temple. You need to fear God. <clears throat> you need to love him and worship him and praise him and be obedient to his word and walk holy before him because he is holy. If you will, then all these mighty things will work for you. Now then, if we will die to sin and live to righteousness, and then if we will do those things, it says, by whose stripes you were healed. Now then, those are, those are in the atonement. In other words, any Christian that knows this, now listen to me closely right here. Any Christian that knows all these things will realize that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. He died on a cross for your sickness, for your pain, for your diseases. And if you'll walk holy before him, you will always have power and authority over the devil. And if you will constantly quote to the Lord, Thank you, Lord. I worship you, Father. I praise you that you're my healer, that you're my Savior, you're my Lord, you're my deliverer, you're my provider. If you'll constantly remind him of who he is to you, then you won't ever have to be sick. If you'll receive him by faith as your Savior, you will be saved forever. If you'll continuously confess that, that if you'll receive him as your healer, because it was in the atonement, it was part of the atonement. If you'll just receive that by faith, then you won't never have to be sick again. You can kick the devil out. But just in case you miss all these mighty things, the Lord put many more things in here. I'm going to read a few of them to you. If you miss them, Let's go to Matthew 9, 28 and 29. <clears throat> when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Look at verse 29, Matthew 9, 29. Then he touched her eyes, saying, According to your faith, let it be unto you. Now, if you have faith or you have knowledge of the word of God that knows that he promises you healing, then... He will heal you. Matthew, now, in Matthew 16, starting with verse 18, he, and he says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Think about that. The Lord has given us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Where is the kingdom of heaven? It's in you and me. If he's given us the keys and he tells us to bind things or to loose things, then, in other words, if we allow the devil to run over us, he'll run over us. If we bind him and kick him out, he can't do anything. Now then, I want to show you in here in Matthew chapter 17, verse 18, what caused a little boy just to be healed. In Matthew 17, 18, and Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. <clears throat> now think about that. This young person here, the only thing that was wrong was he had a demon. Now, if you've got a demon in you, now many people say a Christian can't have a demon, but that's not right. All sickness and disease and all these things are demons. They're in here messing up our physical bodies. There may be some types of sickness and disease that... Uh, but it, that comes into our bodies, but if they are, our body will put it off itself. But as a rule, it's always Satan that comes in and starts messing with us. As you see through this scripture, over and over, Jesus cast out the demon or rebuked the demon, 
And like in this case in Matthew 17, 18, when he merely rebuked this demon and it came out of him, the child was cured from right then. And in, uh, there's, there's, of course, uh, in Matthew uh, uh, chapter 20 there, I mean verse 20, what we're reading in Matthew 17, verse 20, it says that Jesus told the disciples because of their unbelief, uh, they, in other words, their lack of faith was the reason this demon didn't come out. Now, this is a very good reason right here why so many people are not healed in the church today. So many people never go to the church for healing. They always go to a doctor. Now, if you've got a demon, and I will, can assure you that cancer and all serious terminal diseases are demonic spirits, and it is very rare that those people can get that thing subdued or put it in remission without a man of God or a woman of God praying for them somewhere. Now, a lot of demons are bound, and even people don't even know it just because of the prayers of the saints. But if we would really get in there and bind these demons and kick them out and have some faith, we would see many more people miraculously healed. Now, in Matthew 18, 18, Jesus told us again, Assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Now, isn't that amazing? Well, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Isn't that an awesome promise? The Lord give us there in Matthew 18, 19, and 20. Now then, there is just no doubt that there's so many reasons why we're sick and afflicted, but demons is one of the major ones, I can assure you. Now, you got to remember, a curse can cannot, cannot come upon you undeserved, according to Proverbs 26, 2. So if a demon begins to torment you, you need to check out your life to see where you've missed the boat. More than likely, you've got some kind of a gross sin or some kind of a sin, and it don't have to be gross, just a sin. In fact, uh, there's some awesome statements in the Word of God that will allow Satan to come upon you. And if you haven't read those, you might go back to Deuteronomy 27 and 28 and see the curses that will allow Satan to come upon you and begin to torment you. Now then, I realize we have been redeemed from the curse of the law as Christians, but it'll only work for you if you know it and you believe it by faith and you keep your sins confessed. If you don't, I guarantee you'll open a door and a demon of hell will come in and you'll have a bad day. He will hit you and afflict you or your children or your wife and begin to torment you. And he'll bring cancer. He'll bring sickness. He'll bring disease. He'll break into your home. He'll do all kinds of devastating things to you. So the thing you want to do is you want to walk holy before the king. I'm telling you, worship him and praise him and thank him every day. Thank him for who he is and what he did for you because he says, I am a jealous God. So you got to remember what that means, to be a jealous God. He loves you, but he don't want to share you with the forces of darkness. So you need to walk holy before the king. Now here's a reason that many people in the church are sick or afflicted and your prayers are not answered. Now I've seen many people raised up off their deathbeds, or their lives totally changed when they understand this. In fact, I've been to many hospitals with many people in the last, just the last five years, 
when people were sick and afflicted, and I found this to be their problem. And some of those people repented and changed their ways and got healed, and some of them refused. And those that refused, every one of them died. So I want to show you the seriousness in these next few verses in Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 through 35. I'm going to read this to you. Then Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents, or ten million dollars. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. Now, I want to stress to you right there in verse 25, who's going to pay the price for this debt? It's not only the man that's going to be sold, but his wife and his children and all that he had. That means your bank accounts, your cars, your house, everything. Then the servant fell before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Isn't that an awesome thing? That's the picture of you and me when we come to the Lord and ask him to forgive us by the blood of Jesus and, and, and forgive our debt that we owe him, and he does. But look what that servant did. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Maybe that's a hundred dollars, but it's just a few dollars. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him. Now this guy's got him by the throat, choking him. And the man that's on his knees being choked says, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all of that mere little hundred denarii, or hundred dollars. And it says, And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. Then it says, So when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him in, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Now, if you don't know who the torturers are in the Scripture, you need to wise up. This torturers is the devil and his demons. Now then, look what Jesus told Peter in verse 35. So my heavenly Father will also do to you if each of you from your heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. I would say that it would be very wise for every one of you to make sure that you're consistently walking in a love relationship to all people all the time, especially your brothers and sisters. Because the Lord clearly told you there that if you do not forgive everybody from your heart, he will turn you over to the torture, which is the devil and his demons. And he says you shall not you, and you'll not get out until you pay all that was due to him. And I don't think you and I can live long enough to pay the Lord what we owe him. So don't get off in that realm. Walk in love. It pays great dividends. Now let's get back to the power of the Word of God. If you're walking in obedience to the Word, I want to take you to Matthew 21. I want to start with verse 18. 
where it says, Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves. And he said to it, now listen, he said to that tree, Let no fruit grow on you ever again. Immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither away so soon? Jesus answered and said unto them, Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Now, this is a very, very powerful verse. I, I don't think that the church uh, believes these verses because Jesus clearly said in Matthew twenty-one, twenty-one. And Jesus answered and said unto them, now he's talking to all of us, assuredly or truly I say to you, you can put your name right there where he said I say to you, if you have faith, in other words, if you have trust, complete trust in the word of God, and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done. And then he makes an awesome statement in verse 22, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Now then, if the Lord made you that promise, it'll work for you. If you're walking in obedience to the word and you believe what he says, if you speak to your mountain, whatever it is, if your mountain's cancer, speak to that thing. Bind that thing. He said, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So you bind that cancer. You curse that cancer. You command it to leave you in the name of Jesus. And don't do it gently and softly. Speak to it like you're speaking to a devil, because that's what you're speaking to. Say, Satan, I'm a daughter or son of the king of the universe. I bind this cancer. I curse this thing in the name of Jesus. I am a daughter of the king. My sins are confessed. You have no legal right to me. I demand in the name of Jesus that you take your filthy hands off of me. I command you to loose me. I command you to set me free in the name of Jesus. Now, Father, I ask you to send the mighty Holy Spirit in there to heal and restore everything the devil's messed up. I thank you, Jesus, that you're my healer. I thank you, Jesus, that you're my Lord. I worship you, Father. I worship you, Jesus. I thank you that you're my Savior, my healer, my deliverer. I thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. I speak to this thing. I command it to leave me in the name of Jesus, and I worship you, Jesus, for healing me. Now, you keep that up. You keep that up day and night. You do that many times a day, and you do it with the unction of a hound dog. You don't walk in there and say, Mr. Devil, would you please leave me? No. You speak to that thing like it was if you were a woman, and you just cleaned your kitchen, and you turned around and looked, and the door was open, and an old nasty hog was walking in your door with mud all over him, what would you do? You would grab a broom and start screaming at him and say, Get out of my house! That's the way you need to talk to the devil. And if you'll do it with that kind of exuberance, you'll get it done. Now then, in Matthew 10, in Matthew 10, 1, we went through this before, where we read there that he gave his disciples powers to... Uh, cast out demons, and to heal all kinds of sickness and disease. And then we see in verse 7 and 8, and he says, As you go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, 
cast out the demons, freely you have received, freely give. Now, this is what the Lord commanded his disciples to do. Now then, when you come down to Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20, let's see what he told us to do here, because this is a great commission as he's getting ready to go back to heaven. Now, this is the Magna Carta of the church in Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. After he's told these men in Matthew 10, 1, 7, and 8 what to do to give them the power to cast out these unclean spirits and to heal the sick and all these things, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead. Then in Matthew 28, 18, and Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, Now all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now if Jesus said all authority has been given to him in heaven and earth, let me tell you, all authority is his. So believe it. And then he passed it on to you. In verse 19, he says, So go therefore, or go ye therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And look at verse 20. This is the one that will blow your socks off when you get revelation on this. Teach them, or the new converts, to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. What did he command them to do? He commanded them to go out and cast out unclean spirits. He commanded them to go out and lay hands on the sick. He commanded them to do all those things. So why don't we do those things? Because we don't believe the Word of God. When you start believing the Word of God and doing it, you'll start seeing mighty miracles. Now, won't you also see in Mark chapter 3, he tells them again. In verse 13, 14, and 15, and he says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted, and they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach, and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Now that's what he's given these men authority to do. Now I want you to look here in Mark 5, verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things for many positions. She had spent all that she had and was no better, rather grew worse. Now, this is the devil's kingdom. That's whenever we send all, spend all we have with the doctors, and we've suffered many things, spent all that we had and was no better, but grew worse. But when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, now look at this, this is very important, she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, what's she saying? Let me tell you, your saying is the mo your, what comes out of your mouth is the most important thing in the world, to walk healed or to walk sick. It's going to be your choice, for she said, and you can do the same thing. If only I, I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? Now, isn't this amazing? In this verse right here, as soon as you touch Jesus in faith, you can't hold back that power. That power flowed out of him. It's gonna, as soon as you touch the Master in faith, his power is going to flow out of him to set you free from whatever. But anyway... After we go on down here, the woman, fearing, trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, what was it that made her well? Her faith. Her faith, her trust in him. Because as she was saying these things, she said, 
If I but touch his clothes, I will be made whole. And sure enough, it'll happen the same way with you. If you will say it, and you'll reach out and touch the Master, and you touch him through his word, both he and the word are one. So as you speak his word to him, you will reach out and touch him in faith, and you will be healed. If you will do it like I tell you, cancer, healing cancer is a piece of cake for the king. He does great work. I've seen him do it many times. Praise God. I want to show you another reason why some people do not receive from the Lord, and the reason is because of unbelief in the whole group. Now, if you're in a bunch of people that absolutely do not believe in the healing power of Jesus, the first thing you better do is get them all out of the room because you don't want a bunch of unbelievers around you if you're going to try to get somebody healed. I want to show you from the scriptures the example I'm talking about. Now, this is in Mark chapter 6 and starts in verse 1. Then it says, Then he went out, this is Jesus, from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could, now listen to this, in verse 5, Now he, Jesus, could do no mighty work there except that he lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the village in a circuit teaching now, isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Because there, Jesus, even Jesus, anointed with a Holy Ghost and power without measure, could do no mighty works because of this group's unbelief. So let me tell you, if you're around a bunch of unbelievers, if you want to get healed, get around a bunch of people that believe God. When you do, you will see the mighty hand of the King move. So get out there and see him do things. Now let's go on down a little further there. In verse 7 he says, And he called to the twelve to himself and began to send them out two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. Then when you go down to verse 12 it says, So they went out and preached that people should repent, and they cast out many demons and anointed with oil many who were sick and healed them. Now that's, again, some of the things that they were commanded to do and remember, in Matthew 28, he told us to do the same thing. Now I want us to go to another very, very powerful scripture in Mark chapter 11, starting with verse 22. <clears throat> Again, this is just like Matthew 21, 21. It says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Now, if, you're, if you meet the criteria of the Word of God, in fact, in verse 25, he said, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. In other words, if you come to the Lord with unforgiveness in your heart, forget it. The door to miracles are closed. 
you're going to have to make sure you're walking in a love relationship for these things to work. Now then, if you are walking in a love relationship with the king and all your sins are confessed, you can take this Mark 11, 22, 23, 24, and you can begin to speak to your mountain. Now, your mountain may be prostate cancer. It may be uh, liver cancer. It, anything. It, it may be a headache. It may be a pain in your back. It can be anything. It can be a stopped-up runny nose. It can be anything. Truly, I say to you, whoever says, now that's Jesus speaking here, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatsoever he says. You ought to take these kind of verses. The devil tries to stop up your head with a cold and a runny nose. You ought to just come to the Lord and say, no, devil. That's, in fact, that's the first thing you need to learn to say is no. I don't know how many mothers uh, I've heard say to little children, they'll start doing something, they say, no, 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 no. Now, isn't that amazing? We can learn how to say no to these little things, but yet the devil will come by and put a cold on us, a runny nose on us, a headache, or a pain, or arthritis pains, or anything else, and we just agree with it. Oh, I feel so bad this morning. I got a headache. I got a pain. I got to have some medicine. I got to go to the doctor. I'm so sick this morning. Well, you're going to be sick with that kind of an attitude because Jesus healed you on the cross 2,000 years ago. Say no to the devil. Whenever anything that's not abundant life tries to slip up on you, just realize it's a devil and back off and say, no, devil, no. You're not going to put this headache on me. You're not going to put this runny nose on me. You're not going to put this sore throat on me. No, devil, no. In the name of Jesus, I'm speaking to you, and I'm commanding you to take this thing and get out in Jesus' name. You don't have to pray for healing. Healing was automatically yours on the cross. Jesus paid it. He paid the price for it, and he gave it to you. It's yours. But if you don't learn to kick the devil out, he will come by, and that booger will make you sick and afflict you, and you'll have all kinds of problems until you learn to say no to the devil. Now, that verse 25 I read there in Mark 11 a while ago when the Lord says, when you stand praying, forgive. Verse 26 says, but if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now, if he don't forgive you, forget it. Uh, you are absolutely not going to get any answers to your prayers. Then let's go over to Mark chapter 16, and these are this five or six of very, very magnificently wonderful verses that Jesus has given us. I've come to realize most of the church don't believe these things, but I want you to see what the Word of God says anyway. Mark 16. Now we believe the first two verses. And he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's all the gospel, not just salvation, all of it. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. In other words, you'll be condemned to hell. And then look what he says that should happen to the believers if we believe him. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, the name of Jesus, they shall cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, that's demons. And if they drink anything deadly, that's any kind of poison he's talking about here, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, 
the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Now, isn't that amazing? If you don't preach salvation, they can't get saved because the Lord cannot accompany, make accompanying signs. He can't confirm it through the word. But if you preach salvation, they'll get saved. You preach healing, they'll get healed. You preach giving, people will give. Whatever you teach from God's word, he will confirm it with signs and miracles and wonders following. So that's the thing. You've got to go out and do it. Now then, I want to show you the legal right we have to the power in the name of Jesus. Now, Peter and John went up together. Now, this is in Acts chapter 3. Now, I want you to think about this as we go down through this. Acts chapter 3, think about the power that we have in the name of Jesus. 3.1, Acts 3.1. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John go about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him, with John, Peter said, Look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon, greatly, greatly amazed. Verse 12 says, So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, Men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murder to be granted to you. And you killed the prince of life, whom God has raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. And his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Think about that mighty power. In other words, you don't even have to pray for people. You can command in the name of Jesus and every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. That's why I'm telling you that cancer will have to yield to the name of Jesus. If you take authority over that cancer, you bind that thing, you curse that thing, you command that cancer to leave you in the name of Jesus, that thing will have to leave you. And it may not leave you the first time you say it, but you keep taking authority. You keep binding that thing. You keep cursing it in the name of Jesus, and you keep commanding, you speak to that mountain, you command that thing to leave you in the name of Jesus. And then you begin to worship and praise the King, praise Jesus for being your healer, praise Him for the Word, quote Him the Word, and say, Lord, I thank You because it is written, with Your stripes I am healed in Isaiah 53, 5. 
And thank you, Lord, that you confirmed that in Matthew 8, 17. And thank you that you confirmed it again in 1 Peter 2, 24. Quote the word to the king. Now then, I want to show you what Paul did over in Acts 16, verse 16 and 17 and 18. This is what we can do with the name of Jesus. Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us. Look at that spirit of divination who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. Now what does that tell you about people that tell fortunes today? They got a spirit of divination that comes from the devil. Now this girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. Now today, if we had a girl follow us around when we we're teaching and preaching evangelism things, we'd want to make her a, a, a servant of the church. But look what Peter did. And as he prayed there in Acts chapter, look what they did here in verse 18. At, or Paul, I mean. And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. Now then, it might have been an intensive battle because it said he came out that very hour. But how did he do that? He commanded in the name of Jesus for that spirit of divination to come out of that girl. And that girl was healed and set free. He didn't have to pray for her healing. She was made whole the minute he commanded, or that demon, after that demon left her by commanding in the name of Jesus. Now then, if when you get out there, before you get out there and start on this, you make sure that you have asked the Father in the name of Jesus to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Make sure you've got these words that we've talked about on this outline that I've been going through, that I went through the scriptures and made this outline and put this on this tape. You make sure you've got these verses hidden in your heart. Make sure you know these things are yours, and then you take authority over your spirit of cancer or your spirit of sickness, or your headache, or whatever, and you command that thing to leave you in the name of Jesus. And if you will do that, it will happen. Now, in Matthew 18, uh, the Lord says, He says, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So any time that two or three of us are gathered together in the name of Jesus, guess who's there to back you up? But even if you're there by yourself, Christ in you, the hope of glory that's in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you've asked for the filling of the Holy Spirit, he's there. Take the name of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and go out and cast out these demons and don't let any sickness and disease come upon you or your family. Take authority over these things in the name of Jesus. I want to show you over in Mark 9, 39 and 40, the Lord says, do not forbid him, for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me, or he who is not against us is on our side. He says, For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, as surely I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. Because he clearly says that we can do these things. So go out. <clears throat> Cast out these demons. Let me tell you also in John 14, here is a couple of awesome, awesome scriptures. In fact, three verses. In John 14, 12, 13, and 14, Jesus again says, Most assuredly or truly I say to you, 
he who believes in me the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Keep my commandments. <clears throat> Think about that. Think of the mighty power. He says, if not only shall we do what he did, but we shall do greater things. Did Jesus not control the weather? If it was bad weather when it was stormy, so if a tornado comes to your house, then use the name of Jesus and command that thing to stop. Say, devil, no. Learn to say no to the devil in anything that's killing, stealing, and destroying. But do this. In John 15, 7 and 8, the Lord says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. Now, think about that. If the Word of God abides in you and you abide in Him, you can ask Him what you want to, and it will be done for you. You may not get your answer the first time because the devil, he don't give up easy. So you stay with it and don't let that devil run over you in the name of Jesus. Now, in John sixteen twenty three. He says, and in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. So it's amazing now that as we've gone through these scriptures, I've showed you many scriptures that confirm who the enemy is and what Jesus said we can do. You need never to let the devil and his demons run over you again. Cast him out and live the abundant life the Lord came to give you by what he done on the cross. He did that for you and me. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You must walk as Jesus did to make all these things work for you. Be loving, kind, and walk in obedience to his word. Learn who he is. Worship him. Praise him. Thank him. Study his word. Wake up in the morning worshiping the Lord. Praise him. Talk about him in your workplace. Love him. Talk about him at home. Worship him. Raise your hands. When you sit down to eat food, worship him, praise him, thank him. Thank him daily that he's your healer, your deliverer, your provider, and all these mighty things, and give no place to the devil. Father, I want to thank you and praise you, and may you use these words to touch many people's heart and use them mightily for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.